0: What we normally do uh, on a Sunday is spend some time praying for different things that are happening within the life of the church, within our community, um, within our own lives. And Then we go into a, a time of just looking at God's word, unpacking that, trying to understand more of who it is God calls us to be and, and just the different ways in which we can be challenged by that. Um, so in light of all that's been happening, we're going to do things a wee bit differently. Uh, this morning, we're going to have more of a connection between our prayer time uh, and our message. Um, so what I want to do this morning is share something of how we can respond uh, to this crisis in light like, of all that we've been seeing in the news last week uh, and also in light like, of all that we've heard just through conversations. And then from that we'll move into a time of prayer and then after that there's going to be just a few practical pointers for us. Um, so last night um, and over the last a week or so as I've been spending time in God's Word I'm using my Read Scripture app from, from my Bible reading and I'm also adding a New Testament chapter onto that so read scripture at a moment you've got the Old Testament and it does feel like you're kind of going through a lot of the Old Testament um, and you're going through the Psalms and I've just added an extra passage an extra chapter onto that so I'm basically going through the New Testament as well so a chapter a day um, and last night I just spent some time praying and I was in God's word um, and I had, I had a sermon written out for today and I just felt God was saying no, not to do that so uh, basically we're going to look at John chapter 6 In verses 16 uh, through to 21. So I had this idea. I was going to preach both sermons at the same time. But yeah, again, God was just like, nah. Just focus in John 6. In verses 16 through to 21. So in John 6, in verse 16, John writes these words. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. Got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. Darkness had already set in. But Jesus had not yet come to them. A high wind arose and the sea began to churn. After they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking in the sea. He was coming near the boat and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him on board, and at once the boat was at the shore where they were heading. So this is a, a passage, as I said, I read last night, I felt it was really pertinent for us in light of of all that's happening. And In verse 17, we read the disciples get into the boat and they start on a journey across Capernaum. So, they get into the boat, this is a common custom for these guys. They would practice, they would travel via boat often. um, And there's a moment when this journey started. There's a moment when they're in the midst of that journey. And there's a moment when it ends. And in many regards, it's a picture of life. Um, We were all born into this world. There's a moment where our lives started. We're all at different stages in our lives. Um, But we are all right now in the middle of our lives. Obviously, some of us are at earlier stages. Some of us are in latter stages. And we will all one day reach our Capernaum. Um, We will all breathe our last breath. We'll one day meet our maker. And we'll one day come face to face with Jesus. And it was not an easy journey for these guys. They were most likely rowing six or seven miles from the east side of the lake to the west side of Capernaum. So it would have been a hard graft for these disciples. Verse 19, they had rode three or four miles already. They were in the middle of this lake. So it was already difficult for them aside from the storm. Um, I don't know if you've ever rowed before a canoe or, or whatever it might be, just a normal boat. It's it's pretty tough, yeah. I've, I remember doing it for like 15 minutes and just finding my arms were like throbbing. So it is a difficult experience. I couldn't imagine what it must be like to row for three or four miles, let alone three or four minutes. And this difficulty is compounded by the darkness, which of course was their choice to row at that time of the day. And with what we read in verse 18, there was also alongside the darkness, a high wind, basically a a storm. Now you may look at your life this morning and think to yourself, man, I had so many problems in my life before all of this happened, before this coronavirus started kicking off. So I know I have to manage my problems in the midst of a storm that is the coronavirus. So you can probably think of just different challenges, issues, worries, concerns, fears within your life. And then to To add to all of that is the coronavirus and and just the storm that is this virus that potentially could spread around our nation in a very short period of time. All scripture is useful for teaching. It's useful for correction. It's useful to make us more of the people that God calls us to be. And in many regards, as I've already alluded to, this picture translates into our own lives. Because in the midst of our personal ruin. In our own personal moments of darkness, a storm hits, and this storm can appear to be so much bigger than anything we've ever experienced in our lives before. So, yeah, this, this storm is here. It may not uh, it may not feel like it. It feels like it right now as I'm preaching, because there's hardly anyone here, um, but we are so thankful that you came and you're here, and you're willing to, to grow and learn and walk in faith in Christ. But I do believe the more and more we journey into March and April and May and June, it will become more and more apparent um, what is happening. So this storm will get stronger and stronger. And there are often two ways in which we can respond to a storm, including this storm. First one is confusion. Don't know if you have, you've ever been right in the middle of a storm. It can be a confusing time, but an actual literal storm confusion often arises. We see in other examples in scripture of real confusion and storms, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, not just in the Gospels, but also in the book of Acts. Uh, the disciples were most likely confused by all of what they witnessed in John chapter 6. And most often in our confusion, we ask questions like this. Uh, what do we do here? How do we get through all of this? What is correct what is a correct and incorrect understanding of what is going on here? And there was a huge storm in the west coast of Scotland a number of years ago and in confusion, sadly, it led to a family in one of the islands fleeing their house in the middle of the night and crossing a galway and they tragically, they all lost their lives. It was a deadly decision. They would have been safer staying put in their home. But when confusion hits, human beings have a potential make the wrong decision. So confusion is when we do not know the correct from the incorrect. We think up is down, down is up. We think black is white and white is black. There is much confusion around what the right thing is to do for us as we think about this virus. What is the wrong thing? There are so many different voices in our media. Um, The British and Scottish government strategy is in many regards different from most of the world when you see what's happening. Um, As an example for you, this week the British government said that people should still attend football games. Within 18 hours of that announcement, the Premier League and Football League football games were cancelled. And so your attitude this morning may be one of, I don't understand. The government are saying one thing and yet other bodies are doing another. How do we see clearly through all of this? That's just one example, but I'm sure there's many things that are just going on in your your head and your heart around all of this. What do we do? Should I wash my hands two or three times or four times or or whatever? Um, Should I touch my face? There's just so many different practical implications around all what's going on within our news. So the first kind of response to a storm is confusion. Then the second response is concern. Concern's actually a, a mild word here. Um, I'm just using concern because it begins with C and you can remember it, okay? So confusion number one, concern number two. And um, what I'm trying to get at is worry, anxiety, fear. I'm not just talking about a kind of light fear, like a genuine fear of what's going on. A feeling of being overwhelmed by this whole situation. You know, I found myself Friday, Saturday, going through my Twitter feed, and it's like a, a feed of terror, you just, you're just you reading post after post, and you're reading link after link, and you can easily just feel overwhelmed by all that's going on, and the disciples most likely were full of fear because of the storm, and it was most likely in light of their confusion, see there's a connection, if you're confused, you don't know what to do, and that leads often to fear, it leads to a, a deep, fear, a lack of control of a situation or an experience and we see that the disciples were afraid when they see Jesus, so when Jesus appears, they're afraid and let's be honest, if we saw someone walking in the water in the middle of a storm we would also most likely be afraid um, there's every chance well, that their fear went from the storm, this experience of a storm and it manifests. And what they saw when Jesus was, was walking in the water. So your fears around the storm that is coronavirus will transfer will manifest um, into something else. It will manifest in some way. These fears will cause you to think, feel, say or do something that more often than not is not what God wants you to do. It's not what God wants you to think, to feel and to say. See so we often move towards worst case scenario. This is what fear does. It, it really... It makes you paint the picture of a worst case scenario. And then you start to believe that that worst case scenario is reality. And then you act accordingly in light of what you have believed. See, it doesn't need to be true. It just has to be believed. That's Satan's greatest tactic. To basically confuse us and then to to cause us to believe lies. Uh, Last night, I received an email from one of the team in New Mexico, the guys who were here uh, last month. Um, and this is what he shared in light of the, the global pandemic. We were just corresponding about the adoption process with James. And then he just kind of shared uh, something of what's happening in New Mexico in the States. So he said, the local response to the coronavirus outbreak has really increased in the past few days. This past Thursday, the state of New Mexico issued a temporary ban on all public meetings of 100 people or more. Churches have been exempted from the ban. All public schools in New Mexico will be closed for three weeks starting this Monday. People are hoarding things now for no reason. My wife and I went to Walmart this afternoon and the shelves in the pharmacy and the grocery departments were near empty. Things like cold medicine, diapers, toilet paper, paper towels, bottled water, frozen vegetables and most packaged meat items were not to be found. I don't believe any deaths in New Mexico have been attributed to coronavirus. This whole situation worldwide calls for prayer. So, coronavirus really hasn't hit yet in New Mexico, or it maybe has, but just on a small scale. And yet, people are panicking. And we see this in, in this, our supermarkets as well. People are hoarding stuff. And it means that the people who really do need different things are not able to access those things. But what the root of all that is is fear people are afraid, they're thinking worst case scenario, in light of that worst case scenario I'm going to respond in this way. So maybe fear for you around the coronavirus manifests in some other way, maybe you've bought a lot of stuff, maybe that's how you've responded. Maybe for you it's, it's staying in, it's being a hermit, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily a bad thing to do. Um, if you have... A genuine fear around all that, it's maybe okay just to stay in and remove yourself from certain social settings. Maybe it's going mental on social media. Um, I know most of you here, I don't think you would do that, but there is potential for for people just to go crazy. Um, I can think of a couple of celebrities um, who have went mental on social media in the last week or so in light of all what's happened. Or maybe it's discord with others, maybe it's just caused tension, maybe you have an opinion about what's happening. And then a family member or a friend have a different opinion. And then, because there's already tension in your heart, it's just caused this, this discord, this disagreement, arguments. However it may manifest, do not let the storm become the focus. So if you have fear, then understand that for you to, to remove that fear from your life, you need to take your focus off of the storm. Do not let that feeling or experience be your conclusion to the coronavirus. So, this is what's happening in the world. This is what's happening in the east end of Glasgow. And so, in light of that, I'm going to respond in this way. I'm going to respond in fear in this way. I'm going to respond in fear in that way. And unlike the disciples, this is so important, do not be afraid of Jesus. Do not be afraid of Jesus. Instead, hold on to the words of Jesus in verse 20. Jesus says, it is I, don't be afraid, it is I, don't, don't be afraid. If there's one sentence I would want to encourage you in this morning, if there's one thing you need to remember this morning, it says, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, we have eternity to look forward to, uh, this is the opening page of the introduction of our lives, and so there's nothing to be afraid of. We have Jesus today, and we will have Jesus for eternity if, in fact, we have put our faith and trust in Him. Mm-hmm. Philippians four, in verses six through to seven, uh, we read these words. And um, should be on the screen for us. But we read we read these words. This is something that I'd I'd shared um, just this past week. We had a we kind of created a small document just really highlighting our practical and spiritual responses um, to all that's happened. And I just felt Philippians 4, it's a well-known passage, um, but it's, it's such an important passage for us to be thinking about. Philippians 4, verses seven. we read these words, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. And you could also add, um, don't, you could also add, don't be afraid of anything, it's not just worry, don't be afraid, you could add, don't be overwhelmed by anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, let's just, I'm going to read that again, and let's just kind of soak it in, because, you know, the news, and all that we've been listening to, Can so often dominate our hearts and minds. But let's just read that again because this is what we should be listening to. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So the promise here is if we choose not to be afraid, if we choose to replace our fear with with prayer and then God's peace will guard our hearts and minds and it's it's not about us mustering up within ourselves this kind of desire not to be afraid no, to choose not to worry about anything is to ask God God help me not to worry about anything that's our starting point and then it's stepping out in faith and believing that God is going to give you the strength not to worry about anything so We don't worry. Instead, we replace worry with prayer and the promise here. This is a promise. We can take this to the bank. We will have a peace of God. Do not worry. Instead, pray and you will have God's peace. I would also encourage you just to kind of move down this passage and to apply the Philippians 4 test. This is what I'm calling it. Um, In Philippians 4 in verse 8, and um, we read these words. Uh, finally, brothers and sisters, uh, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, um, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell in these things. So, in light of all that you've heard this last week, in light of all that you will hear this next week, be asking the question, okay, is this true? Is what I'm I'm listening to, is what I'm reading through sorry. Um is it honourable? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Um is it commendable? Is it of moral excellence? Is it praiseworthy? See there's some amazing examples of how <coughs> communities have gathered together and helped one another. We've seen it in Italy, we've seen it in Madrid. It's happened in New York. Uh, And these are ways in which, you know, we can be inspired by these things and be thinking, okay, how can we be a blessing as well? But it just shows there's two sides to humanity. We have a potential for great good and a potential for great evil. And so the question is, how is is it that we're gonna respond uh, to this crisis? So Christ is with you. Do not be afraid and test everything. Whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, any moral excellence, anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Don't dwell on whatever it is you might hear within the news. Apply this verse to all that you hear. Um, And like we read in verse 21 of our passage, I just want to invite you to take Jesus on board in the midst of the storm. The disciples brought Jesus onto the boat. So bring Jesus onto your boat. Invite him into all that you're you're facing and all that you're experiencing. And his promise is that he really will be with you. And he will take you home. It's an incredible moment in this passage, but they invite Jesus onto the boat and then it appears from the text that instantly they're in Capernaum. Miraculous, but there's a there's something for us this morning as well. When we invite Jesus home, when we invite Jesus onto our boat, then He will lead us home. It might not be immediately, but through time we will know His peace and His power, and we will experience His direction in our lives. So, what I want us to do now is to to pray a prayer that the Baptist Union of Scotland uh, created, which we added to our document in response to the coronavirus crisis. And it's a prayer of trust, it's a prayer of faith, it's a prayer that hopefully we will be strengthened and encouraged by as we think about who it is that God calls us to be in the midst of all this. So we're going to pray this prayer, and then there's just a few practical pointers for us after that, okay? So, okay. I think it's maybe helpful for us just to stand um, and to pray this. So let's uh, let's read this together uh, as a church family. Um, I'll start. Lord Jesus Christ, we come to you carrying the fears and uncertainties of this current crisis, hearing your invitation to cast all our cares on you. Jesus, the great healer, for those suffering the symptoms of coronavirus, bring recovery, immunity and new strength jesus the prince of peace for those full of fear of what might come to pass let the knowledge of your presence calm their troubled hearts jesus the servant of all for those providing health care in these demanding times give strength skill and support jesus lord of the church for the sake of your world and the glory of your name raise up for deeds of compassion and mercy in these days. Jesus, crucified and risen Saviour, may your power be made known for the blessing of your world and the glory of your name. Amen. Okay, nice guys. You can take a seat. Um, I just want us, as we close, to be asking two questions uh, this morning. Um, the first question Um, How can I maximise this unique season of life? Not in the flesh, but in the spirit. It is a unique season. I mean, I can't think of any time in my life where this has happened. So we are in a very surreal, unprecedented time. And so in light of that, how can we maximise this time for God's glory? And you might be thinking, okay, what, what do you mean by the flesh and the spirit? And I just want to, to highlight just some, some ways in which we can live <coughs> in the flesh and some different ways we can live uh, in the spirit. So, so we have a choice, okay? And I think if we are at home, this is a danger for all of us. We can just become consumers. We can focus on ourselves. And we don't use this time in such a way that glorifies God. And so we have a choice between greed... Or generosity. (coughs) Uh, Lust or contentment. Sloth or devotion. Anger or peace. Uh, Pride or humility. Envy or gratitude. Gluttony or self-control. That last one. I know if I'm in the house, that's a danger for me. I can just eat. I can just live in the kitchen and just constantly eat. And so gluttony or self-control but there's there's a number of different ways in which we have a choice (coughs) seconds (coughs) it's just a technically coffee so don't worry so there's a number of ways in which we can respond um, to this crisis my prayer for each one of us is that we would be generous we would be content we would be devoted we would be people of peace People of humility, people of gratitude, and people of self-control. So how can I maximise this unique season of life? So just be thinking about ways in which you can demonstrate each of these areas um, in such a way that glorifies God. And the second question, who are the people I can reach with the good news of Jesus in the midst of this unique season, both practically and verbally as well? If you're really helping someone, they will ask questions, why? Why are you doing this? And you can say, well, you know, Jesus has made such a difference to my life. This is why I'm doing it. I want to be a help and a blessing uh, to others. I want to be thinking more about other people and less of myself. So I pray for us to be praying this week in light of this question. Uh, God, show how I can help them. Um, God, give me a desire to help them. And God, work in their heart through my witness. So be thinking of people in your life your neighbours, family, friends, even your enemies, Mm -hmm. people who are vulnerable, people who need your help. God, show how I can practically help these people. And God, give me a desire to to help them. Because we might understand, okay, I probably should do this, but you could have zero desire to help them. So, God, give me a desire to help these people. And God, work in their heart through my witness. So there needs to be in between the second and third point, you need to make a step of faith there. And say, I'm going to do this. I'm making a decision to do it, and then actually do it. And then as you do that, be praying, God, please work in their heart. Through my witness, we may come to faith in Christ. You look at church history, there are many moments where there's been viruses and plagues. It's resulted in many deaths. But it's also caused a great revival. It's caused people to really be asking questions about life and death and why am I here? So this is a a window for us, an important window, a powerful window. And my prayer is that we would be equipped to not just be thinking about the storm, to not be focusing on the storm, but to be thinking about Jesus, to be focused on Jesus, to be stepping out in faith and seeing how it is we can be a blessing and a witness to others. Okay, I'm going to pray, and then we've got a few songs, we're going to respond in worship, there's no tea and coffee today, um, but do spend some time afterwards and we can um, even be chatting about some of us um, and be encouraging each other in God's word, so let's pray. Father, we we thank you for your word, and we pray that your word would be rooted deep within our hearts, Lord, we recognise it, that we can superficially read your word, and just leave this building and just go and do what it is we desire to do in the flesh. But Lord, we pray that your word would find root within our hearts and it would cause us to respond in faith. It would grant us a desire for the lost, whatever set of circumstances they might find themselves in. And Lord, I pray that we would be lights, we would be lights shining brightly in the midst of a storm and we would carry your presence, and we would carry your words of wisdom, and Lord, that would result in transformation. I pray, Lord, that the people we have been connecting with within the life of this church who don't know you, but who regularly come along to different things, I pray this would be their moment of faith, of salvation. This would be the time we return to you. So we pray, Lord, that that nothing would be wasted in your economy, but you would use all of this for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So if you have faith in Christ this morning, uh, we would invite you to come to the table. uh, And really to come to the table full of thanksgiving, recognition of what Christ has done for you. And as we take this bread, we're remembering that Christ's body was given for us. And as we take the cup, the individual cup we have, to reflect on the fact that Jesus' blood was shed for you and for me. Jesus died for each one of us. His sacrifice, his death, means that we are gifted with his life. And it's a life beyond this one. It's a life for all of eternity, a life in his presence. So what a privilege we have to gather together today to worship Jesus, to come to the table and to remember his sacrifice for each one of us. Let's respond.